So welcome once again to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. Uh, it's time for another book club. Uh, this is going to be book club number two, uh, just because I know Roddy likes to keep a count of these things. I think we're a legacy number about 50 at this point. <laughs> there they are celebration. <laughs> we should put out a few... Um tie-ins those two voices you hear I'm sure you recognise delighted as always to be joined by Keith and And I'm Roddy yes indeed so three of us for this one Um, the last one we uh, did was Mr Miracle Uh, that was something that was um, chosen by myself uh, with the idea being that someone would choose a different book each time so for this one I'm not going to lie Keith is very much going to lead this podcast this is something very, very close to his heart. Um, I think this was always going to be his first book, uh, no matter what. And you're not, you're not wrong. Um, this, this is uh, part of my secret origin. Actually, uh, this is the, uh, this is the uh, the radioactive uh, spider that, that 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 bit me and uh, filled me with four color venom. And you fall. Uh, the, uh, this is the. Uh, Excuse me. This is the rocket ship that uh, that piloted me to Planet Comic Book. You know, this this is the bullet that shot both the winds <laughs> and set oh, him on his on, way. Come on. <laughs> so, what we're what we're talking about today in our second book club uh, is Marvel superheroes Secret Wars uh, from 1984, uh, and this was uh, as we've alluded to the uh, the story that got me into comic books and into reading. It was the first comic book, first proper superhero comic book, I guess. That I read uh, when I was six years old. Mm-hmm. Um, Showing your age there. Yeah, just a little <laughs> bit. Uh, so it was originally published in 1984. It's not to be confused with the more recent uh, Secret Hickman. Wars by Jonathan Hickman, which was 2015. Um, the the series it was a 12 issue 12 issue mini series, uh, and uh, it centered around a new villain called the Beyonder. Uh, who he was capable of, of manipulating sort of matter and energy on a cosmic scale uh, and using his omnipotent powers he transported many of Marvel's heroes and villains to a distant planet of his own creation called Battleworld he stocked that planet with various pieces of alien weaponry technology and he challenged his, cap- his, 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 his hostages to slay their enemies and achieve their heart's desires uh, you know anything they could they could wish for was his to grant um, so there was a lot of different fights and skirmishes. Uh, the the final battle arrived, where um, you know that involved uh, Doctor Doom and the Beyonder and Galactus, and uh, we'll we'll go into that, I guess, uh, a little later on. So, uh, Alan, you've you've had a good a good read at Secret Wars, you know. Yeah, we've, it's, all had, um, we've all had a good. It's an interesting one for me because you may have heard us chat on this podcast before we. Keith and I both recently re- read a book called Slugfest. I can see Roddy reading this as well at some point. It's a great wee book. Um, Keith actually has it with him today. By Reed and, it all, and it was all about the um, the battle between Marvel and DC for the last 50, 60, 70 years. And Secret Wars was a massive chapter in that book. In fact, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a very important chapter because, you know, you were moving into the 80s. You, um, toy lines were becoming a big thing. And there were no Marvel, you know, Actually, well, it's it's interesting uh, because uh, the the story goes that the, the the distinguished competition is the entire reason that Secret Wars okay. exists. It's okay. You don't work for Marvel. Keith. You can just call them DC. It's us, fine. Us and them. <laughs> them and us. And you can't have say where priorities lie. <laughs> but yeah, DC were doing very well with action figures and so forth, and. Um, they sort of jumped the gun, did they? Did well, before? Jim Shooter, who is the he was the the editor in chief of Marvel at the time, and uh, the writer of Secret Wars. I guess mm-hmm. he he explains it uh, he explains it thusly uh, in you know in in Reed Tucker's book, and he says that the road that led to Marvel superhero Secret Wars actually began when Kenner Toys licensed the DC Universe for boys' action figure lines. Their competitor, Mattel, already had the He-Man action figure line. Yeah. I'm sure you remember that fondly, Roddy. Of course, of course. <laughs> We're talking 80s, 80s. Oh, absolutely. And that was doing really well. And, you know, I guess Kenner with DC wanted to hedge their bets in case comic book character action figures became a big thing. So Mattel came to Marvel to talk about licensing their characters. But what they demanded as, as part of that process was an event to 
market the characters, to market mm-hmm. the toys, you know, an event within the comics to to really push it. Um, yeah, well, you know, it's all the characters at that time where they're all spread they're out been over their separate. Titles. Yeah, there was a Marvel yeah. Universe, yeah. but they never really, every so often, you know, see Cap would cross on the Iron Man or... Mm-hmm. You, yeah, exactly yeah. that, you know. Yeah. You know, we hadn't even hit the point where Hulk had... Oh, we had hit the point. Well, well, of course we had hit the point where Wolverine and Hulk had crossed over. And, yeah, and you know, Incredible 181. Yeah, so this exactly. This is kind of... The start of modern yeah. fandom. This is, this is, this is the birth yeah. of the event. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I mean, it was something that Shooter says uh, that a lot of correspondents, you know, a lot of fans in Marvel had had suggested already in fan mail every day. One big epic story with all or many of the the, the heroes and villains in it. So uh, I guess they went through the ideas for names for the toy line <laughs> and series, and Mattel's focus group test indicated that kids reacted positively to the words wars. Secret. <laughs> so sure what to think yeah, about that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Jim Shooter says when the time came to actually do it, he realised that he was the only one who could write it. He was busy enough being editor in chief, uh, but and they didn't have a shortage of writers. But Marvel at the time, you know, was quite quite siloed. You know, mm-hmm. so whoever was in charge of Daredevil was in charge of Daredevil. Didn't let anybody touch Daredevil. Anyone who was in yeah. charge of the X Men. So that was one of Shooter's big changes that he made in Marvel was you know bringing you know, breaking apart these silos and these, you know, um, I guess, uh, possessive teams and really sort of opening things up a bit. Would that have equated even to the point where they would say, don't put my character in your book? Pretty much. Would it be as... Yeah, but from what, I mean, what from what I understand, it didn't make him popular yeah. as the editor-in-chief. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, quite quite the opposite. So he decided that he would he would take all these characters and, and he would write them, you know, into this... Uh, the Secret Wars now Jim Shooter is a guy who has a history as a writer in fact he started writing for DC Comics at like 14 years old yeah. or something wasn't that right yeah um, I'll think of what we're redoing at 14 years old <laughs> <laughs> probably wasn't quite as good as that uh, yeah apparently he was uh, you know he yeah that, he, he started very very early and uh, whenever he was uh, whenever he was 13 or 14 he felt that uh DC needed the help, <laughs> so <laughs> I think he started writing. What was it? Um, Justice Society or something along those lines? Can't remember. But anyway, I know um, he was um, he was writing action comics at one point. Um, he was uh, he spent about a year reading and studying comics from both companies, and he started sending stories to DC at the age of thirteen, <laughs> and he was given a position writing for them at fourteen on action comics. Um, so. Yeah, and then you know, obviously, a few notes here. Obviously, then he goes into the di- dictatorial style. Um, but yeah, I mean, he shepherded a lot of the company's most successful years. He oversaw Claremont and John Byrne on Kenny X Men. He oversaw Frank Miller's Daredevil. Um, so yeah, I mean, he knows these universes inside and out. So it I made guess, sense that know. he was one that. And then I guess what what he says is that is that the idea of, for example, the Fantastic Four writer writing the x-men would have been you know uh, would have not maybe fans wouldn't have yeah well it wouldn't it wouldn't have gone well, it wouldn't yeah. have gone well with the individual who was in charge of the x-men so yeah course, so what yeah. jim shooter said was you know what I'll, I'll write the whole thing i'll write you know uh I'll, I'll handle everything you know it's the biggest most continuity intensive crossover ever done uh you know so it's only one about him writing it anyone but the editor-in-chief writing it would have led to bloodshed <laughs> so he was the he considered himself the keeper as alan says keeper of the franchises and he was already in the absolute authority on the characters all part of the job at least back then and uh you know so he was the he was the guy you know um i mean even interestingly as well i mean he brought marvel to the direct market instead of just selling to news agents that's and, right you know yeah. corner shops and stuff like that he in a sense helped you know secure the, the future of the, the industry, future of the industry by, yeah yeah you know selling directly to comic stores making sure comic stores were viable places where people could get these on a weekly basis, monthly basis. So, um, was this pre Secret Wars, or was yeah, it yeah? So this yeah. is all, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. So this was pre Secret Wars. Was, so, uh, I mean, that's the, that decision. I mean, we're talking about Jim Shooter, I guess, rather than the, the book. But I mean, that decision has put us in the position where, yeah. and now where you can yeah. own a comic store, specialist comic store. You know, previously, yeah. it was just whatever was on the newsstands. Rex, you know, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. So anyway, um, I guess back to back to, to Secret Wars. Um, uh, so yeah, as we said, the original Secret Wars came came about because of Mattel, the toy company, acquiring the rights to Marvel characters in the early eighties. Uh, Jim Shooter cons- he conceived the Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars event as a way of uh, bringing Marvel's 
heroes and villains together for a big crossover that would then be used to fuel the sales of the action figures. I mean, it's obviously not, as a writer, it's maybe not the, the most uh, pure decision ever to be creative decisions yeah, that have been made. Um, I respected them. You know, but, but I guess that, that was the sheer novelty yeah. of seeing so many characters together on the page because, as we said, that had but never it, been well, done before. I, th- I like that idea, though. Yep. Like, I mean, it's so common these days. Like, we've, yeah. it seems every, every kind of month we've got an event going on, but, like, even just thinking about the sheer novelty of this it's a great idea yeah. first of all you cannot yeah. you cannot be like here you can't fault their idea but like the it's kind of weird because you're like why did nobody think of this before well there's there's a wee bit of um we've got a controversy about that we'll talk about later ah but, okay but you're right i mean secret wars was the first mega crossover of its kind mm-hmm. it became the biggest selling comic book series in 25 years uh, it was the ultimate utilization of the shared universe created by Stanley and Jack Kirby and Ditko, Steve Ditko in the sixties. Mm-hmm. But maybe the most important thing about it was it led to the idea of an annual teaming of all the heroes crossing into other each other's books to mix it up with some cosmic entity, which is an idea that continues to this day every year <laughs> as the summer event. Love it, hate it, yeah, whatever. It changed deal, the face of things. It. Yeah, I mean, we're just we're going through how many at the minute we're going through War of the Realms at the moment Spider-Man has its own self-contained we're hunted Heroes in Crisis is finishing um, you've got you're leading up to Absolute Carnage yeah was, you know so, so it changed it you know that 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 has all come from from this anyway so so yeah uh, the book was written by Jim Shooter and it was illustrated by uh, Mike Zek by Mike Zek and Bob Layton um, that's a good uh, comparison you're talking about hunted mm-hmm. um is it was it Mike Zek did Craven's Last Hunt or is it the other the other guy? Uh, you are right. Yes, yes. I that from Marvel knowledge. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Mike Zek yeah, uh, yeah. was known for Captain America, Master of Kung Fu, of Shang Chi, Punisher, and Craven's Last Hunt. Craven's Last Hunt came well after this. Yeah, didn't I think it? so. Um, he was also uh, Batman Legends of the Dark Knight, Legends of the DC Universe, Deathstroke, The Terminator and collaborated with Mark Wade on The Kingdom, a mm-hmm. uh, sequel to Kingdom Come. Bob Layton was notable for work on Iron Man. He introduced uh, James Rhodes, who's, I guess, you know, always been fairly well-known as War Machine, but is now more well-known from the Marvel movies, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, and he was behind uh, Tony's Alcoholism and Demon in a Bottle, which actually feeds into Secret Wars. Uh, Bob Layton, I think, designed the toy line as well. Um, oh, cool. So they shared, they shared duties. With regard to who was in Secret Wars, mm-hmm. more a case of who wasn't. Who wasn't? Well, I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's this, uh, there's this beautiful double page spread that I just sort of came across there. That's in the first issue where they separated across two pages. On the left, you've got the roll call of all the heroes, and on the right, you've got the roll call of all the villains, mm. um, including Galactus's feet. Including Galactus's feet, which is, <laughs> which it pretty much sets the tone for Galactus's input for a majority of the story. He just stands there and doesn't do an awful lot. Well, he's doing loads, but he just doesn't let his plans be known. So we've got the lineups of uh, various teams at that time in 1984. Um, so we've got the Avengers, which included Captain America, Captain Marvel, who was uh, Monica Rambo, uh, oh. who we most recently saw as. Carl Danvers' best buddy in the Captain Marvel movie, which is why I got so excited. Uh, She was Captain Marvel at the time, a very different power set. We've got Hawkeye, we've got Iron Man, uh, who at this time was not Tony Stark. It was yeah, and that's that's an interesting one. Maybe touching on that later as well. We have Jennifer Walters, She Hulk. We have Thor, and we have the Wasp. We've got three members of the Fantastic Four: the Human Torch, Mister Fantastic, and the Thing. Uh, Sue Richards at this time was uh, pregnant with. Uh, Valeria, Valeria, the second child, um, and was left at home. <laughs> um, <laughs> we've got solo heroes and Spider-Man. So the Beyonder's uh, a monster, but not a, a complete oh, clearly, monster. Clearly. <laughs> oh, she's pregnant. No, no, no. You know, well, it's interesting because the heroes, the heroes, chose themselves in some ways. If mm-hmm. you, you know, if you call the story the story, but we've got Spider-Man. Later, we've got uh, Spider-Woman, who was uh, Julia Carpenter, yeah. um, and we've got the Bruce Banner, the Hulk. Uh, we've got the lineup of the the X Men at the time: Colossus, Cyclops, Nightcrawler, Professor X, Rogue, Storm, Wolverine, and Lockheed the Dragon. Magneto was there, uh, and interestingly, Magneto appears with the heroes. Uh, the first yeah. time that he's been acknowledged in the books, in the Marvel books, as a hero. 
I love the villain. gray area yeah, of Magneto. That's his. This was this was the first time that he'd been taken out of villainy, and seen. You know, the Beyonder clearly identified him as someone who was fighting for his own principles. You know, mm-hmm. so he was identified as a as a hero in this. He quickly becomes non-aligned, but after Secret Wars, Magneto starts to flip flop between villain and hero, which yeah. is kind of interesting. In the same way, I guess as Namor has done over the years. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Um. So yeah, you've all the heroes on yeah. one side, and then all the all villains. the villains. So we've got uh, the Absorbing Man. Doctor Doom, Doctor Octopus, all the doctors, uh, the Enchantress, uh, Kang the Conqueror. Uh, a little later, we've got Claw. Uh, we've got the Lizard, Molecule Man, uh, Titania, Ultron, Volcana, Volcana, and the Wrecking Crew. And also, as previously mentioned, Galactus, who quickly becomes uh, non-aligned and doesn't care. <laughs> you know, um, and it's interesting because the. The, the, the books at the time you know the Fantastic Four books and the X-Men books and the Spider-Man books the last issue before Secret Wars all showed uh, those particular heroes um, entering a mysterious futuristic edifice which appears in the middle Central of Central Park. Park and vanishing to reappear in this construct floating in space um, with the identical construct containing the villains floating nearby you know so mm-hmm. and and some of the trade paperbacks in Secret Wars you actually have those reprinted yeah, you, get those you know, reprints. You know yeah. so so yeah so that sort of sets the that sets the scene with regard to the characters um, anyway uh, Professor X whenever he arrives on Battleworld finds that the Beyonder has given him the use of his legs back mm-hmm. uh, and that that's an interesting sort of story point throughout um so yeah, it's uh, there's, there's some pretty pretty cool stuff. Uh, and what's interesting is with the toy line, uh, the toy line didn't necessarily produce all the toys of the characters he featured, but it did produce toys of characters he didn't feature. So oh, <laughs> the toy okay. line has Falcon in there and Hobgoblin and a whole lot of a whole lot of toys that just that just weren't there. The toy line. That's, uh, it's the same as like the GI Joe movies. You'd have. Um like roadblock or the rock or whatever and then you have all these like weird other characters you're yep. like oh okay yeah yeah, yeah I, I can live with that yeah. yeah exactly and it's you know I guess it's, it's, it's that's marketing really isn't it yeah you know maybe there was going to be a Secret Wars 2 there was a Secret Wars 2 and a Secret Wars 3 oh okay. <laughs> they were prepared yeah that was a, you know but uh, so yeah, that was kind of that was kind of the toy line was. I don't know if you've ever seen the Secret Wars toys. Absolutely, no. there's a no, full no. breakdown of them in the back of the, uh, the back of one of the editions we have here. So Everything from you know toy cars to the toys themselves to the packaging. Um, it's so bizarre, isn't it? See like Secret Wars on yeah. it yeah. instead of like Marvel, which you know today would just sell. Yeah, I mean, a million. Yeah, I mean, series two of the the um, toys included Daredevil, who's not in it, Falcon, who's not <laughs> nope. in it, Baron Zemo, who's not, not in it. it, Hobgoblin, who's not in it. <laughs> if the only one that actually contains is black costume Spider Man. So um, um, the toys are in the style of He Man. The toys were more are the they? size GI Joe. Um, they only had a couple of points of yeah. Roddy, well, get off eBay. Stop yeah. looking for those secret wars. <laughs> they are as articulated. No, no, not as articulated. Okay. Uh, they only had a couple of points of articulation. But what was the selling point of them was that they all had shields. So they uh-huh. all had these shields, okay. and the shields popped open, and with them you got like a selection of small uh, lenticular cards. You know the ones that whenever you turn them, uh, so. Yeah. So it would show different images. So one, you know, and they were double sided. So they would show you different scenes from the book, which oh, okay. whenever you turned cool. them, you know, so you would see Captain America throwing a shield. And every one of them also had, you know, for example, you had Captain America's face, but whenever you turned it, you saw Steve Rogers. You know, you saw his alter ego. That got really <laughs> strange whenever Iron Man's came with uh, Tony Stark. You know, Iron Man who turned into Tony Stark, and given that. You know, Iron Man, as we already discussed, was Jim, yeah. James Rhodes. <laughs> it was a bit strange, but you know, uh, so yeah, the toy line was was pretty cool. But it, again, it was one of those toy line didn't sell that well, though, did it? Um, I don't know. From what I, I think it might have even been in that slugfest book. They talked about the sales of the figures were what they hoped. Yeah, but, but because the book was such a big hit, they were like, action figures, screw that. <laughs> Let's get back to the books here, yeah. <laughs> sort of thing. So. so but yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Rhodey there because I even asked you, I was about seven or eight issues into it and I was talking about the way Iron Man talked and how it was a bit cringy at times. He was calling people babe and this and that. And Keith was just like, you do know that's not Tony Stark, do you? They don't reveal that until I think it's issue nine. Yeah. 
and he has to take his helmet off because yeah. he's getting medical so treatment. So they expected you to come in with all this knowledge? Yeah, I mean, if it you doesn't were, massively affect yeah. the character. It's not yeah. like people call him Stark and he misleads them. They just call him Iron Man. Yeah, because yes. I mean, at the time, at the time, nobody knew that that Iron Man was Tony Stark anyway. Yes, you know, so yeah. it was still a secret. It was still yeah. as far as so yeah, as far so as that, were, it's yeah. crazy. So all their identities are secret, secret to each yeah, other for yeah, within yeah. within reason, you know. So so even the Avengers don't know that. Iron Man was Tony Stark. They, yeah, as far as they're yeah. concerned, Iron Man is Tony Stark's bodyguard. Ah, you know, which is something yeah. in the Iron Man movie. They, 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 with, they, they well, they disenfranchise it immediately at the end. You know, <laughs> where he goes, "I am Iron Man." <laughs> you know? uh, but anyway, the story, the story of Secret Wars, the plot. Mm-hmm. So, as we say, there's a cosmic entity called the Beyonder who observes the mainstream Marvel universe. Um, he's fascinated by the presence of superheroes on Earth and their potential. He chooses groups of both heroes and villains and teleports the characters against their will to Battleworld which is a planet that Beyonder has created in a distant galaxy from pieces of other planets which uh, include a suburb of Denver Um, so alien weapons and technology and the Beyonder then declares I am from beyond slay your enemies and all that you desire shall be yours nothing you dream of is impossible for me to accomplish Uh, the heroes um and the villains of several skirmishes. The X-Men eventually choose to remain a separate unit. Uh, and uh, where Storm at the time, who is in her punk phase, uh, where Storm at the time was the combat leader of the X-Men, Xavier, who now has his legs back, decides that he's going to combat lead the X-Men and he becomes mm-hmm. a wee bit dictatorial, doesn't he? He's yeah. some kind of a, a, a strange... I think they butt point. heads quite a few times. They do. Um, so there's several significant developments in the series. Uh, villainesses Titania and Volcana are created. The second Spider-Woman, Julia Carpenter, is introduced. Spider-Man finds and wears, for the very first time, his black costume, mm. initially unaware that it's actually an alien symbiote, which is the symbiote that would subsequently bond with Eddie Brock to become Venom. Doctor Doom temporarily steals the Beyonder's powers. Um, and uh, having fallen in love with the alien healer, Zashi, Zashi, was yeah. Right, really, yeah. Um, who sacrifices her life in Battleworld to save the heroes? Mutant Colossus. He ends his romantic his strange romantic relationship <laughs> with heartbroken uh, Kitty Pride. Still one of the weirdest lines uh, all about. <laughs> the Thing chooses to remain behind in Battleworld uh, and explores the galaxy for a year. Battleworld gives Ben Grimm the ability to change back into his human self. Mm-hmm. So whenever everybody else leaves, he stays. And She-Hulk temporarily joined Fantastic, Fantastic Four, Four to replace him as the as the powerhouse of the Fantastic Four. Um, the next issues of the series, you know, that that tied in to Secret Wars, they open right after the return of all the Marvels. Um, so the immediate developments, as I say, She-Hulk and the FAF, Spider-Man is a new costume. Hulk has an injured leg, and his his savage side is because throughout Secret Wars, Hulk is intelligent, and up to that point, but. His savage side is starting to reassert itself, and uh, it gets sort of gets inarticulate. So, a lot of what happened in Secret Wars stuck, you know. Um, years later, um, you know, it was revealed that while the heroes and villains were in battle, world, the thing's girlfriend, uh, who he has now recently married in Fantastic Four, uh, Alicia Masters, was replaced by Lija, who was a Skrull spy. Um, when the fast she ended did. up marrying Johnny, didn't she? Yes, yeah, she did. When the Fantastic Four returned to Earth without the thing, she began a relationship with the Human Torch. <laughs> <laughs> the two eventually married and remained a happy couple until the Scrolls' true identity was exposed by the Thing and Alicia's father, the Puppet Master. Um, so that sort of, I guess, that sort of bottom lines the bottom lines the story. Um, you know, there's a couple of things worth talking about. The, I guess, the controversy between Marvel and DC mm-hmm. regarding Secret Wars and the Crisis in Infinite Earths. Yeah. Um, and which was, which was first. Um, you know, following that, I guess, you know, a year after Secret Wars in 1985, Secret Wars Two was published, with the Beyonder visiting Earth and uh, having a tie into almost every Marvel comic in existence. I think <laughs> uh, it was not as well received. It was kind of strange. The Beyonder ended up modelling himself on Michael Jackson, uh, wore a big spark- sparkly suit, right. uh, had, okay. a, had, a, had a fantastic perm at one stage. I think I'll give that uh, one you know, I really was, want to read that one. <laughs> uh, it, ended, it ended really strangely with him creating a machine in order that he could be reborn as human. You know, and then the, the heroes all having a go and can we kill this baby? Do we need is this a thing we should do? Because, you know, it was kinda it was kinda crazy, so uh, but really interesting. And then I guess most recently, uh, I guess we've all uh, we've all seen 
we know we've all seen Endgame at this stage, but uh, the Russo brothers who you know who directed Endgame have, have reaffirmed that if they were to direct another film set within the Marvel Cinematic Universe following the release of Endgame, it would likely revolve around the general events and storyline of Secret Wars. Oh, which I would love cool. to see. Yeah. So Do you know what? Um, so the Spider-Man cartoon did Secret Wars. It did. That's right. Uh, well, like a version. Yeah. Of it. Uh-huh. it wasn't quite the same. Mm. Yeah, but it was somebody. Somebody did transport them. It was. Was it the Beyond? It was the Beyonder. Yeah. I think oh, it was a okay. Beyonder. Was it not? I think so. Yeah. Um, but it, it's the same. It follows very similar pattern. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, really. Yeah. You know, be good on, be very good on the live screen oh, to it, would be, it would be something else yeah. you know and it was it's funny because you could never before the likes of Endgame you couldn't have considered it, it but yeah. but actually now you can, compared to Endgame it's quite the character set's yeah. quite limited yeah. you know yeah. I mean it's it's uh, it's kind of interesting you know so um, so how was Crisis on Infinite Earths a couple of years before this it was interesting uh, there's, in there's terms of release Secret Wars came first so it did um, but again we, we we go back to this book Slugfest that we both read recently and there's a lot of information in there about you know did Marvel executives over here DC executives at a cafe oh, that's they, they were all they were they were all having beers and see yeah. with the amount coming, yeah. of intrigue yeah. and espionage in this book it's yeah. incredible that's, that's, that's from both incredible. sides yeah. um, but there's literally like times where they knew where DC executives would have lunch so they would send spies and then DC would do the yeah. same, you know. They would know where they go for drinks after work. But then you see, there's, there's, there's. They talk about spies, but then there's also the, the element of the fact that they were all buddies. You know yeah. what I mean? And most of them were working for both companies. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And all yeah. of this sort of stuff. So, um, it was apparently the seeds of Crisis were first, but people only remember what came out first, and that yeah. was Secret Wars. Yeah. And I mean, the the first issue of Crisis came out the same month as the last issue of uh, of. Secret Wars, uh, Secret Wars. Wars you know so, so it was kind of interesting but then you know the the, the Jim Shooter's quite clear that the the deal with DC which didn't which was nothing to do with Crisis you know the, the toy company deal which mm-hmm. was what what um, I guess launched the toy company deal with Marvel which was what caused Secret Wars you know the, yeah. the DC d- yeah. deal happened first but you know it's yeah, that's it's that's kind of it's lost in the mists of time, you know. Um, Shooter says that he had never heard of that that DC were doing any such thing, you know, and you know DC would say that they did hear, and then they rushed Secret Wars out, you know what I mean, and and all of this sort of stuff. So it's it's hard to say, you know. Um, but what Jim Shooter does say is that uh, whenever Jeanette Jeanette Cam first became the publisher of DC, she had a party at her apartment in Central Park West in 1978. And Shooter says, she comes to me and says, and this is the year that Shooter became the editor-in-chief of Marvel, and she says, you're the big comics guru. What do you think I should do with the DC Universe? Now, the, the DC, you know, the difference was that the, the creation of the DC Universe had been very piecemeal, mm-hmm. and there was no connective tissue, I yeah. guess, at the start, you know, and which is where, you know, you now see DC launching and relaunching and, you know, to try and bring universes together, whereas Stan... Stan and Lee... Stan Lee and Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby had always conceived it as one universe yeah you know and uh so she says you're the biggest comics girl what do you think i should do with the dc universe should have replied kill it start it over which is exactly what they did with crisis of (laughs) earths so he likes to take credit for crisis of (laughs) earths you know he takes credit for both (laughs) he says the marvel boss laid out a radical overhaul of the dc universe in which the company would announce the cancellation of all its titles bring the story's conclusion the next month's relaunch everything with a new number one you know, so, so yeah, so it's it's hard to tell, you know, and there's there is controversy about it, you know, um, but whatever their respective strengths and weaknesses, Secret Wars and Crisis ushered, ushered in the era of the comic book event, you know. Yeah. So, so yeah, absolutely. I mean, so tell me, tell me this: How did you read Secret Wars? So that's kind of, I guess that's lost uh, in the midst of time too. Well, yeah. no, I kind of, it's 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 the first time I remember, uh, first real memory I have of, of comic books. So I mean, obviously, whenever we were kids, we'd read the Beano and the Dandy, and you know, whenever mum and dad had gone shopping on a Saturday morning, they, you know, whenever mum was was going in to pick up her paper, she'd pick up you know comic books, you know, for us. And uh, Secret Wars was introduced to the UK. Um, in 90, a year later 
so after uh, so in 1985 and I think it was Panini who mm-hmm. effectively were more yeah, UK at the time you know and they were you know whereas you know American comic books are a certain size that we know yeah. of yeah. British comic books are larger you know what I mean so they had reprinted this and you know they reprinted Secret Wars and somehow they managed it's a 12 issue miniseries somehow they managed I think to get you know, like 36 issues out of it so <laughs> they reprinted Secret Wars they called it Secret Wars they called the book Secret Wars but there was other stories in it yeah. as well uh-huh, right. you know so um, I guess one Saturday morning my mum brought home uh, I found out it's issue 16 I've still got it somewhere of uh, the British Secret Wars I was 7 years old and uh, the covers always stuck with me because it featured Ultron grabbing Human Torch by the leg you know Human Torch is flying by and Ultron grabbed him and Ultron's kind of always scared me a wee bit as a result <laughs> you know what I mean because it's just you know this guy's on fire and he's just grabbing him out of the air you know um, so that, that my mum brought that home and then, you know I read it and I was like this is awesome and then it was out every week so mm-hmm. every week then my mum got it for me and I've still got everything from issue issue 16 you know issue 17 was the black costume uh, issue 19 oh, uh, became Secret Wars featuring the Zoids <laughs> who were a great uh, toy line at the time mm-hmm. you know they were uh, they were like robot dinosaurs that you built uh, and they started adding random stories from other books you know reprints um, I guess uh, like it's the first time I'd ever seen Alpha Flight actually was in that same book yeah, Secret Wars you know Alpha Flight or there were strange stories featuring Spider-Man appearing on Saturday morning ITV shows uh, you know <laughs> that sort of thing Um the original Secret Wars story and that ended in 31 and in February 1986 got straight into Secret Wars 2 with issue 32 so it became uh, Secret Wars 2 yeah you know so it was so yeah so that was cool, that man. was sort of that was sort of my uh, I guess my introduction you know so but yeah um, great great story uh, my introduction to comic books has always stuck with me every time I read it I get something new out of it uh, you know I find something a wee bit different or something a wee bit so it was a great pleasure to have an excuse to read it again mm-hmm. uh, you know um, and I, yeah absolutely and it's interesting to, to hear your guys opinion on it as well you know yeah I mean for me uh, my first exposure is the most recent read uh, it was one that I'd never read obviously as people know I'm more of a DC guy but trying to read more and more Marvel these days so I, I like to jump into these big events so I was more than happy to jump into this I have to admit, I've, I've I found the first couple of chapters or the first couple of issues, I should say, a little tough going because mm. there's so much information being thrown yeah. at you. Yeah. Um, I think it's the kind of book that will read well with subsequent reads. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, when you can maybe just you, you get to know the characters a bit better, that kind of thing. It's like watching Endgame for the second time. I love it. <laughs> very true. You know, I I've been very you know vocal about this in the store. I enjoyed more Endgame more the second time. I was more surprised yeah. the first time, but I enjoyed yeah. it more the yeah, second time. Agreed. Um, but then Secret Wars starts to hit the ground running, and it has a great pace to it. Um, I really enjoyed it. As I say, I found it tough going at times. Just maybe that's just because the sheer volume of it as well, mm. size of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are pages of it that are just pure joy. There's mm. there's some beautiful art through it. Um, there's some great characterization. There's it's a real exercise as well and sometimes not judging a book until you get a few pages further in there's some anachronisms aren't there you know associated with the fact it's 1984 yeah you know well for example I mean I I started I did a lot of note taking as I read it you know just little things that I'd noticed here and there and there's a part in it that I'm convinced that uh, the Russos lifted a little bit from for Endgame yes which is what which is the attack on Avengers HQ where people are buried underneath it and the Hulk's holding it up yeah and there's a part in it where Reed Richards is saying to Bruce Banner, you're useless, you, you've no intelligence anymore, look at you, you can barely hold this up, I mean, you're. T- why do we even have you on our side? And I started writing this note saying, well, Reed Richards, a bit of a dick, really? You know, <laughs> you know, this, this, is his, you know this is his comrade in arms here. And then like four pages later, he walks up to Hulk and goes, I'm really sorry in there, by the way, but that was the only way to make you angry so you could yeah. see this. Because, of course, the angrier Hulk gets. The stronger he gets. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there was, there was stuff like that in it. Uh, which I found really interesting. I do think it's aged a little bit in places. Um, there's a lot of fat shaming in it, for example. Mm, yeah. Um, Certainly around one character. Yeah, uh, very much so. There's there's one. Is it Titania or is it? It's uh, Volcana. Volcana. Um, yeah. So Volcana and Titania are created by Doom from uh, from people who from a couple of of women who appeared on the planet as a result of the Beyonder stealing that suburb of Denver we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, the so, original Oblivion song 
Uh, yes, quite. <laughs> um, so they we thought Kirkman was so original. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so Doom takes these two women and uh, Skeeter McFerrin and Marcia. I can't remember Marcia's surname. Mm-hmm. She becomes Volcana. She's living plasma, um, and uh, take. You know, Titania, she's this this lady who's always been put down, always been bullied, and she becomes like strong and invulnerable and you know, totally accentuates her personality. She just wants to beat everybody, she wants yeah. to she's she's she wants to beat all the fists, men, yeah. you know, and wants to challenge everybody. Whereas Volcana sort of falls in love or or, or at least she becomes a carer nearly yeah it's almost that you know um, Florence Nightingale syndrome yeah he's lacking a mother figure and she becomes that mother figure in a strange you know and she's all about protecting him but she's she's a larger lady and you know uh, particularly the Enchantress who is the Asgardian sorceress you know who's obsessed with her own beauty you know, continually has a go at her. Kang has a go at her. Yeah. You know, Kang calls her my plump pretty. Um, Enchantress was. Um, she makes a deal with Enchantress because Molecule Man's injured. That's right. Yeah. And she wants to be transported to him to be by his side. And she's. She basically says, "Well, you know, to transport a body as bloated as yours <laughs> is a massive inconvenience to me." You know, this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's really. It's kind of. There's. There's some elements like elements like that that are definitely. A bit anachronistic, you know? yeah. I mean, but it's interesting because you've been able to find double meanings to a lot of that, mm. you know, with you know, characters who you know, Janet's another example. You know, at one point she talks about wanting to get back to her manicurist because she broke a nail. I was reading this con, really. This is the leader of the Avengers, yeah. Really? She, was, she was the chairperson at the time, yeah. Right? But you sort of had a, a bit more insight into that, yeah. I mean, I guess at that time, Janet was coming out of the back of uh, an abusive relationship with Hank Pym. Uh, you know, she'd been elected as leader of the Avengers. Though, just despite that, Captain America becomes the combat leader in Secret Wars because yeah. he's got the most experience with yeah. large scale battles and yeah. Cap rocks in this, like he really yeah. does. But, uh, but yeah, Janet, Janet has, was elected the chairperson, but she uses this, uh, you know, girly girl sort of, um, I guess, persona to cover what she's really capable yeah. of and uses it as a defense mechanism you know so mm-hmm. uh so yeah she you know and she she uses it a wee bit to manipulate magneto as well yeah. um you know yeah, and magneto's a bit of a creep at times uh-huh. and the lizard uh <laughs> yeah. you know oh. she certainly so so yeah uh, but uh i mean there's that that scene at the start where you know whenever they first arrive in battle world and the heroes you know they're they're, they're beamed down from the uh from the ship down to the planet mm-hmm. and uh you know Cap immediately goes, okay, I'll take 12 o'clock. I want an Avenger at 2, 4, 6, 8, 10. <laughs> you know, and make a circle. You know, and you're just like, oh, there's Cap. <laughs> well, that was, that was the first note I made. You know, my my edition's slightly different to yours, so we tried to compare page numbers. Yeah. But the first note I made was page 41. It was interesting. No one wants to step up aside from Captain America. Yeah. Like, yeah. they all go through, like, who should lead them? And, you know, should it be Xavier? Should it be Janet? Should it be, you know, Hulk? And Cap's the one that guys. Well, he does. You know, he's, he's the obvious, the obvious choice. Uh, Xavier, as we've said, he they break off. The X Men break off as an independent third team, and uh, Xavier leads them, which is much to the chagrin of uh, Storm, who mm-hmm. is the de facto combat leader of the X Men at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's never any choice about who's going to lead the bad guys. I mean, that's always going to be Doom. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he refers to himself in the third person at all times. You know, this is Doom. This is this is this is Doctor Doom being at his. Best, best you yeah. know it's really is you know they really distill him down to and of course doom has a has a much wider plan in secret yeah. wars from the very start uh there's two characters who sort of stand out and have their own agenda one of those is galactus who galactus immediate his immediate uh reaction is to fly at the beyonder and try and steal his power try and eat him effectively you know the beyonder and, spat yeah, and doom yeah doom <laughs> you know follows in the wake of Galactus to try and analyze the Beyonder and you know his armor does analyze a wee bit but but the Beyonder just you know swats them away away, you know and goes from there so Galactus' story arc is he immediately decides he's going to eat the planet job done he's hungry well well, Galactus' plan is he's going to stand on a mountain for about six issues just in the background and Cap's like we can't take our eyes off him because at one point someone I think it's Janet's missing and uh, they're all going around. We we need to go and find her. We need to find our fallen comrade. And he's like, no, we gotta keep an eye on Galactus. He he's up to something. 
you know because the, the fate of the world the universe is yeah. at stake yeah. you know they can't go after one person you know and then it's interesting because then it, there's callbacks to Gal- the original Galactus story and Fantastic Four because Reed Richards is the only one who can you know because everyone's like Nats to Galactus you know they're all like ants you know and uh Galactus pays no attention he starts building his machinery to eat the world and Reed's like oh this isn't good I need to go and chat to him at least he recognises me and then you know it's it's all of this so it's it's great but then Doom's story arc is kind of the opposite Doom decides Doom based is on arguably his, for me the most interesting I, I agree with you whole, I agree with you thing. you know you know it's one of the first notes I made as well was that he might be the only character good or bad to realise the potential of Power here, mm-hmm. you know the Beyonder tells you this thing like slay your enemies and anything you desire is yours. So all of straight away, a lot of them are thinking like, oh, I could you know be a great fighter or you know I yep. could rule this world or whatever. And Doom's like, he basically calls them all you know ants. Have you no imagination? Have you no idea the potential of power here? Because because Doom has analyzed Galactic yeah. or analyzed Beyonder and seen what power is contained. So. Doom immediately starts making plans to steal Beyonder's power in the same way as he did Silver Surfer's power. Yeah. Uh, you know, so. Uh, I got of all the characters from reading this, the one I would like to now read more on is Doom. Is Doom. Yeah. Yeah, and so. it's interesting because in Hickman's 2015 Secret Wars, mm-hmm. you know, that that's the the plot is Doom is the God Emperor of reality, effectively. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, so there's, there's, defin- there's definite thematic similarities between the original Secret Wars and, and Hickman's Secret mm-hmm. Wars, you know, and. Whereas the Beyonder made a patchwork battle world from various planets, Doom made a patchwork reality from various multiverses. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, so yeah, Doom's Doom's arc is is fantastic. He's immediately the leader of the bad guys, and then he immediately starts making plans to uh, steal the Beyonder's power. And you know, he st- <laughs> he starts moving pieces about the board and pits the villains against the heroes, and uh, he starts manipulating the Molecule Man, Molecule Man, who is up until this time has been a fairly B-list Fantastic yeah, Four I got, villain I got the feeling he was a bit of a jokey character but yeah, throughout kinda, this he realises his power his power that he can control pretty much anything you know initially he thinks I can just control organic matter mm-hmm. and then you know who is it is it that Doom Doom convinces, yeah. shows him Doom that, makes him his number two essentially yeah he, he shows him that, uh, that he can't just control organic matter he can control all matter and because matter is energy he can control all things <laughs> you know what I mean and so this then you know Owen Reese, who is the Mulligan man he starts between that and the attention that uh, Vulcan has given him he starts to become he elevates himself to you know the leader the de facto leader of the villains ah, now, that, now that Doom is, yeah, is gone. gone you know and eventually Doom does steal Galactus's power and then use Galactus's power to steal uh, Beyonder's power mm-hmm. and becomes omnipotent. He becomes everything, and you know, and, and then it's all about suddenly realizing that he has so much power that that a stray thought could destroy reality. Yeah, he so, doesn't even want to sleep in case he has yeah. a bad dream, and he in that yeah. bad dream, he destroys like ten galaxies. Yeah, so he's, you know, and he's talking about you know locking up the power inside him, and then Claw becomes involved, and you know, Claw the who you know from Avengers Ultron mm-hmm. Ulysses Claw who's one of the Black Panther's villains you know at this point Claw's made of solid sound and Doom finds him inside Galactus's ship mm-hmm. uh, you know and there's a whole great great story in there you know um, with with Claw being Doom's sidekick and watch me make sure I don't fall asleep yeah. you know and, and all of this and then not knowing whether or not he has changed reality and starting to panic and you know, sort of Cap starts to take advantage of that. You know, yeah. so it's 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 really fantastic. You know, uh, Doom effectively comes to the heroes. You know, after he's he's got Beyonder's power and says, "I am not interested anymore, but I'm aware <laughs> that I did some bad things. I'd like to make amends for those, so I can <laughs> what forget about you." Know, I'd like to make amends for those, so I can go on forgetting about you people. Uh, <laughs> you know, so of course they're like, "No, we don't want anything." I was like, "All right, fine, you may go." You know, and then it's it's interesting because obviously the first thing Doom does is heal his own face. You know, when he runs around without his uh, without his mask on, you know, and he's uh, and then there's the. You know, he, he constantly saying, "I'm now omnipotent. I'm above petty things. I'm all knowing. I'm all powerful." And they're like, "Well, why is the first thing you did then heal your face?" You know, it's uh, so it's all of this sort of cool stuff, you know. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it comes down to it comes down to uh, the Beyonder, I guess, needing to to recapture his own power, um, which he does through through trickery. There's a there's a big claws, yeah a big final slugfest um, he Avengers. sort of manipulates Doom into lending him some of his power that's right 
Uh, meanwhile, the Molecule Man has taken the villains back to uh, Marsha's apartment in Denver and is now transporting that whole section of Denver across the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so yeah, it's great. There's uh, there's some great moments. Uh, at, at one point, uh, Cap's shield has is shattered or partly yeah. shattered. There's a chunk taken out of it. What's that? <laughs> I, was, I just know where this is going. I was in stitches this part actually. What was that? Where they all are allowed to sort of think about one thing that they would really like and this is what I mean to you about, I was chatting about this off air I should say but the addition I have I can't help but feel that sometimes they they put it together slightly wrong in that there should be page term reveals and instead they're on the right hand side but the part where um, which I think Keith was alluding to there it cuts to Cap looking at his fractured shield and uh, it's like it was the product of a freak metal, uh, metal accident, a metallic disc of unknown composition and unique properties, utterly impervious to any force or instrument which humans comprehend. But now it lies before him like a wounded friend. How many times has it saved his life and now its useful life is at an end? For no fire could melt it, no furnace could reforge it, it is forever broken. Unless by force of will or sheer desire. Then you have the cheesiest of cheesy panels with Cap holding the completed shield. Yeah. And it's just like, he can accomplish the impossible. Because it's able to be with fixed. his wee smile. Yeah, yeah but that's I mean that's Cap. That's Cap. Cap is the I love that. You know the ultimate. You know when it comes yeah. to will, when it comes to you know force of force of will. You know it's that's that's Captain America, and he you know he collects all those painstakingly sifted one by one from the mounds of dust and debris till every last splinter was accounted for. You know. Do you know what's weird? Looking through it, it almost looks like alien to me a wee bit. It's. Because from this, this was like eighty four. Yeah, yeah. Twenty years, like ahead, comics look so different. Yep. But twenty years behind, it looks quite similar to the same sort of style they were doing yeah. in the sixties. Yeah. Well, I mean, this to I guess because this is what introduced me to comics. I love this, this style of art. You know, and you know what. Uh, it's only now reading it this time round that I'm seeing the difference between the the Mike Zeg and the Bob Layton issues. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what, uh, what what is the difference? Just the issue, different issues. Yeah, just Was different. It, yeah, different issues. They bounce back and forth. Um, that's a Bob Layton issue there, but Mike Zex is the the first. Well, that's the some of the Spider Man stuff, but but yeah, it's just they're slightly different. They, they they take each other off well, I guess. So the the changes in art and artists aren't jarring in any way. I don't. Um, I didn't think know. that either. I I thought it was very consistent the whole way through. I. I must admit I didn't realise there were two different artists on it I thought yeah. maybe one was the artist one was the penciler the inker mm. but I think it flows really well it is it as you say that old style of art um, so it is but there's some like gorgeous splash pages mm. and great whereas there's other stuff which yeah looks a bit more yeah. basic and just you know we want to get to the battle to the good mm. stuff and it's, I mean Secret Wars is often accused I guess of the characters all having the same voices but I, I certainly didn't find that you know what I mean I think and I think everyone sort of has their moment to shine that yeah. mm-hmm. you know that moment where uh, where as you said Hulk's holding up the mountain after the bad guy's base has been the good guy's base has been destroyed by the bad guys you know and Reed is as you say he's, he's golden the Hulk and trying to make sure he can hold up the mountain while Reed has the time to you know using Spider-Man's web shooters and parts of Iron Man's armour to uh to, to create this supercharger so that Captain Marvel and Johnny can focus their powers through Iron Man's armor and Iron Man can blow out the side of the mountain. You know, that's, you know, so Reed is just the man, like he's the, the big brain, you know, yeah. so yeah. he's doing that, that sort of thing. You know, Cap's got his moments, um, Galactus's story, Doom's story. Um, then the, you know, the romantic elements, you know, <coughs> the, the idea of Zashi, the alien healer, and Johnny, triangle. you know, yeah, Johnny falls for and Colossus falls for and, Johnny Johnny Storm the Human Torch is a he's a philanderer yeah. you know he's always and he's you know she heals them both she heals everybody but you know it quickly becomes clear that that the reason that they're falling for her is because of her healing powers that mm-hmm. that's part of her nursing uh, yeah, practice that you know great speech someone makes where they talk about how love probably means something different yeah exactly in this world you know but it's interesting as well as you say with Johnny Storm because there's a part where she's hurt and he's just like I've got no time to deal with that. no chippy yeah exactly <laughs> Reads back and Colossus, Colossus is like chippy what? Oh, like, what, what are you saying but this is all after Colossus has uh, yeah I have to admit this This is creepy stuff to me and I know nothing about this mar- this phase of Marvel history but there's a part in it where Colossus says he's thinking about Kitty Pryde 
right? First thing when I saw Keith, I was like, how old is Kitty Pride, by the way? And I was like, she's 14. You know, <laughs> there's a line in it where he says, oh, Kitty, the big plans I have for us when you are old enough. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, this, this is a wee bit, wee, wee bit creepy here. So Colossus is what, now eight or nine years older than her? Yeah. You know, maybe, or maybe, think, maybe not even that, yeah. but, you know. I think they established she's 14 in this. Yeah, I she's think. 14. He's, yeah. he's somewhat older, you know, and, uh, you know, again, that was another Marvel thing last year where Kitty Pride and Colossus were supposed to get married. She's not 14 anymore. <laughs> you know, but that... that what about Elastic away. Time? Well, she's not 14 anymore. That's why it's Elastic, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, so, I mean, there's some great, great moments, some great stuff. Um, well, and obviously... Let's oh, go ahead. Obviously, we've got, uh, isn't it issue seven... Uh, or issue eight, issue eight for Venom, issue eight yeah, for the origins first of Venom, of, uh, and that's a that's a great moment. Um, where Spidey is basically going to this um, machine that can fashion any weapon, uh, any, anything yeah. you can think of. So I guess at this point, uh, Julia Carpenter, the Spider Woman, has appeared, and she's got this black black Spider Woman costume, you know. And after battles, everybody is uh, a bit beaten up. Um, there's that uh, scene of Ultron grabbing Johnny Storm by the leg, oh, wow. uh, which has made a new cover. Um, so everybody's a Still bit Hans Keith Stream. Yeah, it does. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody's a bit beaten up, and Reed is uh, is fixing um, Iron Man's armor, and uh, Peter Parker. I say his costume has been beaten up, and he sees Hulk, and uh, I don't know why why Hulk and, and Thor and. Uh, and Spidey says, Thor, your cape's back and your hat. And how, unless you've got uh, someone got a haberdasher or who makes fortress calls, you know. <laughs> Hulk say, or Thor says, "Twas the Hulk's doing, using a wondrous device he discovered. It's just in there, Spider-Man. Uh, you just think into it and it produces any sort of clothing or cloth you want. Uh, so, yeah, Spidey's going great, you know. So he sits down at this machine, which he assumes to be the same machine. And this little black ball drops down in front of him and he grabs it and it it uh, penetrates his costume and turns his hand black and then creeps across his costume turns his entire costume black into the stylish uh, black costume that we've come to know yeah uh, so uh, Peter quickly comes to realize that this costume can do all sorts of things it can you know it responds to his thoughts it can become regular clothing it can become short-sleeved it produces its own webbing so he doesn't have to use web shooters anymore and that's that's an issue because he's been two issues without his web shooters because reused them to you yeah. know um, and the, you know so and of course we all know that eventually this costume we'll discover that this costume is alive as a symbiote um, you know and there's there seems to be a, a few um, you know Reed says I'd love to examine it in the lab sometime if there is sometime ever again <laughs> if we ever see my lab again which is of course eventually what happens Reed does examine the costume and finds out that it's alive and it's so there's some up, you know. foreshadowing going on oh, definitely yeah. there's a lot of foreshadowing and I'd be interested to know where this came from whether you know you know well, Jim Shooter instituted this or yeah. it was yeah. already something that was going on you know so so yeah so some, some great some great moments Cap's got some great moments the Hulk Galactus, ever you know, so yeah. So I mean, it's a great, it's a great introduction to, to the Marvel superhero universe. It was a great introduction to the Marvel superhero universe for me. Um, Some great silly moments in it as well, which I really enjoyed. There was one of the early parts on it was in issue four, I think. Um, yeah, issue four, and uh, you have this scene of Magneto. It's like, meanwhile, inside the awesome structure, the mutant master of magnetism focuses his staggering power into a concentrated field of energy potent enough to raise a small city. Straining, he subtly manipulates the field, pulling metallic particles from the air, shaping them, compressing them, fusing them atom by atom until, aha, and he fashions a comb. <laughs> for Janet and Janet's but, just like goodness you really discovered the things you took you know, you can't, it's silly but it's fun you, know, yeah. you cannot beat that that you know that that text yeah. that's fantastic that's that's almost Stanley like yeah. you know? I was going to say it, it feels very Stanley you know, definitely and again you know thought bubbles always my favourite thing <laughs> you know um, I'm just saying issue four yeah. as well I'm convinced that the cover of this issue is something that um, that the Russo brothers decided to homage in uh, Endgame, uh, yeah. which is the whole holding up that you know structure we yeah. were talking about, mm-hmm. and they have spoken that if they come back to the Marvel universe, this is what they'd like to yeah, um, what they'd like to make. God, I'd still love to see it. I'd love to see the Russo brothers do secret work. I really enjoyed um, Ultron in it as well. Um, Ultron again, I don't have a lot of exposure to him, but 
I'm not a huge fan of the movie. I find him a bit of a. He starts off very menacing and becomes very jokey towards him. Mm, yeah. But his sort of pure power in this is great. And yeah. that bit you're talking about with Johnny Storm, where he's just like, well, I'll just melt this thing. And he yeah. just basically like brushes him off. Like, yeah, because uh, Ultron's body is made of adamantium. adamantium. So yeah. Wolverine can't even cut him, you know. Um, Wolverine's a wee bit of a dick in this. Um, that, that's that's one thing I will say about it. Um, I find that the X Men were really powerless in this for a long time. Mm. Like Janet is able to beat them all up on her own. Spider Man is. Spider Man's able to beat them all. No, there's twice, and Spider Man yeah. beats crap out of them. Yeah, as well. uh-huh. And you're just sort of thinking, like, what can the X Men actually do mm-hmm. here? So I actually thought it was it was interesting because it actually made them look like. Yeah, but then this is kind of interesting because you're you're talking about a period not long after the introduction of the all new. Uh, all different X-Men yeah you know so Cyclops is the only original X-Man left on that team mm-hmm. they're still fighting their way a wee bit um, you know so they're, they're, there's something to be said there for Spider-Man being a very experienced hero and them yeah you know not and uh, you know I guess that's reflected in this week's Daredevil yeah you know uh, where oh, Spider-Man gosh. appears in front of Matt, you know, Matt Murdock and he's just Spider-Man is just badass yeah you know what I mean he's just uh, and, and Matt recognises that but anyway, that's another story. That's a review for next week, <laughs> next month. Um, anything else, guys? Well, I was going to ask as well if you know the answer to this. Because, um, again, there were certain things I read in this that I thought I would like to know more about. Yeah. And um, one of them was that Reed says he saved Galactus's life before. It puts a wee note saying, see, Fantastic Four issue 244. Yep. Have you any idea what the story was for that? Not, not that I could. Because that's why he that says he'll recall. converse with him because he saved his, life, saved his life before. You know, I was just really curious. If yeah. Can you anything about you know, that? They're they're obviously not talking about the original Galactus story. Yeah. Uh, you know, where Reed threw him off with the ultimate nullifier. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I would be yeah, be interested. I mean, it's great that they give you they give you those yeah. demarcations. Yeah, you can go, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have a wee look at that. Um, I'll see if I can find out for you for sure. Spidey dialogue was great as well. There's one where he's wondering if he can sue Spider Woman for stealing his catchphrase. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Which I thought it was great. Um, and then my final note is just going to be I didn't realise Captain America was a culture. At one point he says, lad. <laughs> what are you doing, lad? No, that's just he calls everyone son, but there was this one occasion where he says lad. Really, like, son? Hold on a second. I think that maybe is a culture term in Northern Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> what was it he said? Um. Here's our, oh, here it is. Here it's when Johnny has actually managed to bring Ultron down, but he's exhausted. He's, he's like, used his Nova Flame. Yeah. yeah. Well done, lad. <laughs> Rest here for a few minutes. I'm going on. Um, yeah, I thought Cap was great in this. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, enjoyed it. As I say, it was I, I. I'm honest enough to say it was hard work at times, but I think it'll. Yeah. I'll enjoy it more in a second reading, a third reading. Brilliant. Um, but there's tons to work with. And yeah, and there's 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 tons tons of places to go from it. I mean, yeah. I, I'm hoping yeah. that. Uh, uh, not not immediately, but eventually, I'd really like to to do a saga of the alien costume, which comes yeah. off straightly straight after the straight uh, after it, or yeah, is there more or less straight after it. The the start of saga of the alien costume has Spider Man jumping out of the uh, the edifice. Oh wow! Uh, okay. And go straight from there. Yeah, you know. So uh, so yeah, there's 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 plenty to Definitely to, to, to riff off. You jumping know, on point done. for yeah. any new Marvel fan. It's like so. a tome of history isn't it kind of is it kind of is and it's sort of a bit of both I suppose because it's a good jumping on point for people who haven't read this stuff before but it's also for people who have read loads of individual titles yeah to see them all come and it's interesting this month it was referenced heavily in Spider-Man Life Story number 3 yeah Yeah. which I'm sure we'll talk about next month so it's still uh, it's still echoing through the years yeah but uh, yeah glad you enjoyed it guys Um, it was a pleasure to talk about it Um, you'll be keeping some thanks for sharing all your memories with yeah, us yeah no, it was really, nice it was, it was nice really to revisit cool. them definitely yeah uh, it's, it's one that'll always we'll always try our best to have copies in the store um, I like to try and keep all the big Marvel events Secret Wars Secret Invasion you know Winter Soldier all that kind of stuff House of M so I'm sure we'll probably discuss some of those titles at a later date as well cool um, but yeah it's a it's a big old weighty thing um, good good bit of um supplemental material as well in there um, so yeah it'll always and, be uh, on, on the shelves and let us know what you think uh, if you get a chance to read it or if you had read it or yes what definitely you, what you thought of our Mr. Miracle review agree disagree have something else to say there's the guess the coffee and heroes Facebook yeah always and Twitter you can always get in touch with us through the social media channels as ever and um, or chat about it in the store um, I believe that is going to throw the baton down to Oh yes, Mr. McCann's then yes. for what we will be going on to next. Your next choice, yeah. Uh, so my next choice will be Pride of Baghdad. 
uh, a Vertigo title from middle 2000s, the bit of a Vertigo renaissance, mm -hmm. uh, Brian K. Vaughan number, so yeah, very excited. Someone, so, I, someone I feel will, will um, be looking at a lot of his work, I would say. Yeah, I would say so, most, actually. Most well-known for Saga, which someone at the table has been burning through. Why the Last Man? Why the Last Man, the mm -hmm. single greatest comic story of all time. Uh -huh. Well, my personal favourite. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'll be interested to... Yeah, Pride of Baghdad, it's a one Anyone else ever read it? I've never yeah. read it. Yeah, one, and, one and done. Um, graphic novel. should say it's illustrated by Nico Henrichon as well. Um, based on a true story about four lions who escaped the Baghdad Zoo after an American bombing in 2003. Interesting. So one of my one of my favourite stories. So. so that's what's up next. So if uh, anyone's listening and uh, wants to make sure they... Get ahead of the game. Oh, get ahead yeah. of the game, yeah, exactly. That'll be one for next time. So Is that us, gentlemen? I think that is us. That brings to an end Secret Wars, book club review number two. Pleasure as always to be joined, yeah, thank you. Quite. Thank you. And uh, we will see you next time. See you. Take care. When they're all riding along and Spidey just goes, Wee! No, no.